The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to Living with Intention. I am April Wyatt. And I am here to offer you different ways to promote wellness within your business and personal lives. And that's why I created this series, Bridging the Gap Between Business and Spirituality. Because most of us tend to go through the day and not really paying attention to our anchor of support our spirituality, or our essence, as I call it. And then when we're not anchored into that, um, our thoughts and our emotions create that ripple effect to our behavior, which influence our lives and others that we interact with. And remember, you are the ripple effect, right, in your life. As the old saying goes, Wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) And that's the reason why I'm bringing this series to light is because I've had the honor to work with people from diverse backgrounds who are struggling in their both personal and professional life. And I found a common thread that really ties them together. And it's that they've forgotten their spirituality, their deeper connection to themselves when they're working in their environments. And this deeper connection is also, again, what I call your essence. And I've done a a podcast series about that too. So check that out when you have a chance. But by bridging the gap between business and spirituality and finding that anchor within, right? You can work with more ease and with practice, you can start to enjoy your work and actually the interactions with others because you are safe and supported by that anchor and it's less judgment or judgment upon yourself even. And this is why I'm here today to introduce to you Steve Spar who I met through social media. And when I first read his blog, I was very inspired to connect with Steve because I wanted to learn from him and hear his journey, how he moved from the business sense into more of writing about bridging that gap between spirituality and business. And that's what I enjoy about Steve is his ability to appreciate both perspectives of the business and spirituality aspects. So that way he can offer insights how to build your emotional intelligence 
and connecting to that deeper part of yourself, again, which leads to a sustainable and happier life. In Steve's words, he says, creating meaningful change means committing to a path of inner development and spiritual growth. And this is what working from the inside is all about. This is what I keep sharing with you all about. So a little bit about Steve. For over 35 years, he's worked as an attorney, business consultant, and a leadership coach for world-class organizations and Fortune 500 leaders, and also working with clients individually. And over time, Steve came to find that using these recipe techniques and managing the outer environment weren't enough to build leaders, businesses, and personal development. So Steve decided to leave the business um, environment to forge his own path by offering wisdom and guidance to help bridge the gap between business and spirituality. Without further ado, let's all welcome Steve Spar. Welcome, Steve. April, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. It's just been just an amazing experience connecting with you and hearing about your story and how you've just kind of turned it around. And so I know I just briefly introduced you, uh, but if you can just unpack it just a little bit about how you found um, that disconnect right? Working in the business environment and and bridging that gap, yeah, with spirituality. Sure, sure. Um, maybe I can do that by kind of just, I can briefly sort of share the parallel stories of my spiritual seeking in my business life. That would be perfect. Great. Because I think there's a, a universal spiritual impulse, this kind of feeling to connect to the sacred, and each of us feels that or enacts that in different ways, the way that showed up for me early on. And it's stronger for some people and not for others. And But for me, I had a, uh, a healthy dose of it. Very interested in existential questions and trying to figure out what, what is going on here and what's the realm beneath the physical. As a young child growing up in rural small town Ohio, I found that in a Christian church. And it was, it was not a uh, fire and brimstone sort of church. I had a young uh, family preacher who was very much uh, preaching the loving side of the gospel and so on. And I was very taken with all of that. I felt the the love of God for me. And yet as I grew, the beliefs of that system felt, you know, stale, a set of clothing that I was ready to out, outgrow. So but the impulse was still there. So that way to connect was no longer feeling appropriate. So I went through a huge search of Buddhism and humanism and psychotherapy and martial arts and channels and shamans and tarot and crystals. And all of those gave me little pieces of something I was still trying to touch. So that has always been something that is strong for me at the same time that I'm also building a professional life. Uh, I went to law school, liked it very much as a, a young competitive person, kind of winning in court was important. But, you know, as you grow, as you go through life, you just kind of um, experience different things that draw deeper and deeper truths of, of who you really are. And I was lucky enough to continually shift careers and find 
uh, ways to be closer to what my kind of true nature was. So I went into uh, consulting, training, working with organizations, doing team development, and eventually uh, coaching with leaders. And most of my work was what I would call traditional organization development. I mean, it's not really for me to tell a business leader or owner, hey, you should really be interested in spirituality or meaningful growth or your interior life. I was there to help them solve a problem that they defined. But Mm. what becomes apparent with anyone who works at the highest performing levels of business is that if you're only working on external techniques and just trying to motivate people from the outside, trying to cause cohesion and uh, getting people behind a a large change effort just from sort of either coercion or enticement from the outside, you won't be as effective. Really what people want and really what leaders want is to be really engaged with their work. And so those times when I found leaders that were willing to really go deeper into their interior life to model a sort of leadership that other people could feel, they actually developed a presence or many of them had it naturally. And when they led from there, whether certain outcomes in the real world they could control or not, they, they had a more meaningful experience and overall, I would say, more successful experience. So I did that for a number of years. Uh, I'm of an age where I was able to retire a couple of years ago. And I still have colleagues who, who work in that field and we talk about different business situations they're involved with. But really, I don't do business consulting anymore. I write now this practicalwisdom.blog is my main place. I'm interested in continuing to learn about what is the spiritual impulse and to write and to share these with with people. But I see the parallel still being there between what really worked in business. Well, are we surprised? It works pretty much in life, too. Yes. And what I enjoyed hearing you say is that you notice that the leaders that took it upon themselves to really reflect and see how they are the ripple effect, focusing on their own, uh, you know, spiritual or whatever that anchor is for you and for everyone listening. Uh, So that could be any, you know, type of, it could be God, it could be, you know, divine, I could be, Gaia, I don't know, but thinking about, I want everybody to hear this right now, thinking about that, that go-to, that um, spiritual connection that you have. And even as you said, Steve, in a prior conversation, even atheist people, you know, seeing themselves as working, as a creator, working through their lives there's still something there within ourselves that we are connected to. So when I say spirituality, I don't want people to go, Oh, woo woo. You know, you have to do all these things in the, in the work environment and change it all up. No, it's that inner relationship with yourself. And when you said that engagement with leaders and that they had, they realized their presence, you know, when they really did the work and honed in on that and they were the ripple effect right throughout their community throughout the business and because businesses are also energy too right it's it's functioning it's living and not physically breathing but it's working through uh 
all different layers within the communities, within the employees, uh, within the world. You know, really, we could think of, um, and I kind of, I think, started to kind of view the view it this way. Um, it's the main kind of arena of life. You know, it, it, it's an economic thing. Uh, business and corporations are uh, a social thing. They're uh, a political thing, but they're also a spiritual thing. You know, where else can we really have this much grist for the mill? It's kind of, um, if we look at the spiritual journey as a place of continuing challenge, then where else can we get it but a place like uh, work? And uh, a lot of people feel their workplace is a toxic place. I understand that. I'm not saying people should stay in a place like that where they are feeling demeaned or bullied. But a lot of the stress and the pressure that I think people feel at work um, is true, but is a call to something. To what? Mm -hmm. To answer the spiritual impulse. I mean, where else could you be where you would be spurred towards this much spiritual growth? Um, you know, it's uh, maybe this is how I kind of uh, I don't dwell on metaphysics because I don't pretend to understand the mechanics really of what's going on. But it seems to me there's a couple of fundamental aspects to the world. One is consciousness. Consciousness is not just something that resides in my brain. It seems to be a field that we somehow share and have antennas for and love. There seems to be a beneficent goodness force in the universe. So the more we can align ourselves, the more our actions can be increasingly more self-aware, greater context, and increasingly more care and concern. That's how we are starting to answer, align with, be congruent with the spiritual impulse. Now, where else to do that but work? Where else to try to have an arena where you can be given <laughs> daily, hourly challenges about don't shrink back from whatever's in front of me. Stay open and stay conscious. Don't turn to my petty, bitter self. Find some way to give empathy here in this situation. You're aligning yourself with consciousness or love. So, uh, yes, work can be incredibly taxing and stressful. And if you're a leader of a group of people, you're under dizzying pressure to try to produce something. And the competition out there, you know, your company could be gone in a year or a quarter. You know, I don't know what AI is going to do, but it's going to do a lot. And how many businesses are going to be defunct in a year? That, that, that's a hell of a pressure on a leader. So all of this is there. It can cause the the worst angels of our nature our greed our worry our fear our manipulation um, but it can also be an opportunity for if we each frame it that way to say where can i find consciousness here what am i not aware of and where can i bring some spectrum of love so i see it as a place where um a testing ground for continued uh, the best testing ground maybe for our continued spiritual development Oh, yes. And I really enjoyed hearing you just say it in that way of this is a great time to practice, right? Spirituality or finding that anchor within yourself, you know, really honing in on your emotional intelligence skills as well. Um, because again, that ripple effect, 
you know, and when you said, um, having that awareness, having that alignment of that consciousness of that love, that's, it's always there. Although as you described, you know, not knowing the uncertainty, the, um, who knows what's going to happen around the corner, then that puts us in the fight or flight, right? The survival mode. And then we have protection, right? And we're, we're not in, in our bodies or even connected to that love or that higher consciousness, we're actually in protective mode. And then that really limits our sights and, and limits our, um, potential and opportunities that are always there for us it's all around yeah yeah you know the we all we can recognize the distinction between when we're acting out of our higher selves the better angels of our nature we know when we're feeling a connection with someone and we want to be more empathetic more forgiving more patient we also recognize when we're caught more in that separate self that separation self the ego self and we're feeling petty or greedy or we need to hoard i better keep this information i better keep this uh whatever it is that i feel i need to hoard and uh I used to think of it as a struggle between ego self and higher self. And I think I've come to a deeper realization that it's really a matter of bringing those, those two along. You know, we're not here to only reside in the higher self and find some way to get away from the ego self. We're here to develop, grow up, mature the ego self and bring him or her along. So, yeah, that's the struggle in work. That's the struggle in life, in relationships with your partner, with your kids. I have two teenage kids. They're age 34 and 29. No, I'm just kind of just kidding. I hope they don't hear that. They're, they're very mature, wonderful folks. But, you know, you want a real test in your ability to, oh, stay aware and love and don't contract, you know, raise some teenagers. Um, yeah. Yes. And that bringing the two along right yeah. and and kind of seeing them as you know what we resist persists right hmm. so we try and push things away and say i don't want to be that way or that's bad or what have you seeing it as this is a part of myself so how can i work with it that's what it sounds like you're saying and do you constant have opportunities any... right yeah Go ahead. you that's okay do you have guidance um, of how a person can start that approach of the awareness and and bringing those two along? Mm -hmm. um, or what have so, you done? Yeah, no, no, I have some ideas on that. I mean, one thing I try to do is a heavy a heavy dose of forgiveness for myself. Here's an odd thing. I'd say in the last five years, I'm having all these memories come up from childhood, from when I was a teenager, from when I was in college, from earlier relationships. And I have these moments of regret, moments of, of seeing myself where I was and I hurt someone. I was careless. Uh, sometimes I was callous. And so I'm like filled with regret about these previous incidences. I don't know why those are coming up, but I think they are some kind of call to me to process them so you know talk about having trying to have a spiritual life have a spiritual life at work um you need to have practices that support that good intention just 
trying to get through the day is good, but not enough. One of my practices is journaling. So when you're asking about what's a way to kind of integrate or work with um, ego self and higher self, I will have conversations in my journaling and just see where they go. You know, journaling is not, oh, I have an idea and I know what I want to say and I write it. Journaling is starting. Sometimes I start my journal entry, what wants to be written today? Mm. And I sit there and let what wants to come up. And uh, sometimes I'll have a conversation uh, with my ego self. So here's an example of something I've tried. Maybe, I don't know, interesting. I've not never thought of this as an exercise before, but maybe people could could use this. Uh, if I'm going through an issue that is causing me trouble or I'm having a conflict in a relationship or something, I will ask my ego self, what's it worried about? And I will see what comes up. I try to actually inhabit this fearful, constricted, uh, bound, limited self. I try to inhabit it with my interior consciousness to say, What's going on for you? And I write out what the fears are from that person. And then sometimes I will bring in my higher self, which we can all do. You know, if we center, we cannot. Sometimes I watch a, you know, I see a flower in the yard or I watch a kid laugh or, you know, there's just or somebody says something and ooh, I can fall back into. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is my true nature. So I fall into that and call my higher self. And say, what, what can you say to ego self here? And sometimes I get uh, wonderful guides, stuff, you know, I didn't know I knew. So journaling for me is um, a go-to practice and having conversations with and actually between higher self and ego self. Yeah, that's really powerful. It's so simple, yet very powerful to allow those thoughts to flow. And there's something about writing it, not typing it, but you literally have a piece of paper and you're writing it out. And that also kind of helps to um, just be in that place to allow that to just be released. Because as you said, this bound up, right? The ego, the mind, all the things, right? In that fight, flight, or freeze survival mode. Yes. Um we're, we're all thinking these things and we're all feeling them in our body. And when you give space for that voice to be valid, to be heard, because we've pushed it away and down for decades, it's the same voice. It just talks about different things. Those so, two words are, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. I yeah, interrupted that's fine. you. That's fine. Um, those two words you use, space and voice. I mean, there's something about giving it a voice. Just see what it wants to say. It's there protecting you. It's been. It's a darn good thing. The ego has been a well-serving uh, part of us. You know, we just need to get it out of the driver's seat. And space was the other thing that you talked about uh, that struck me, the word you use. So to give it space, that's why I like this exercise where I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I have a lot of meditations I listen to or, you know, that are very helpful. But if I've listened to them before, I know I know where it's going. And there's an aspect of that that, oh, I feel in control. I'll go listen to this meditation. I kind of know where it goes. Mm -hmm. But being willing to kind of just journal and say, I don't know where this goes. That sort of openness, that's actually a very good uh, stance to have, uncertainty. And that's hard in business. How do you bring uncertainty 
how do you say to your boss, boy, we don't know what to do with this. You know, we're kind of trained not to have that stance. Uh, if if I just pause here a little bit and, and then ask that, that fearful self, like what's, what's happening here? What is that? You know, it's like a remembrance of something else. Um, then you'll be more aware that's building that emotional intelligence and, you know, connecting to that deeper part of ourselves. I think the a framing um, of small moments is important. I mean, that example you just had. So it may seem like your whole day was just struggling through things and it's not going the way you want. And you've got a project that somebody else is really against. And so you get this email and you want to fire something off. Um, that's a chance. Each of those is an opportunity. So I think the value in small moments, I mean, if you can take 10 seconds to pause there, maybe you have your conversation with your ego self there. You choose to maybe wait and not send an email and go down and knock on the door or you send a different email, a better email. You may not think, okay, what was that? So what? So I had a kind word and, you know, don't dismiss that. The, you know, Buddhism has this concept of accumulating merit. And each time that you're connecting with your higher self, when you're acting from your higher self, when you're settled enough, self-aware enough to know when you're triggered, but just wait. Maybe it's not 10 seconds. Maybe it's 20 minutes. Maybe it's a day. Every time you do that, it's accumulating. You know, mm -hmm. somebody told me once, and this really struck too, time works differently on that realm. You could be totally reactive and triggered for two days and go, oh my gosh, I've been away from myself. I'm a failure. I haven't even meditated. I've, you know, but the moment you come back, you're back in the stream of a mm -hmm. different time zone. It's not like you've been away for two days. You're right there accumulating merit. So don't dismiss, you know, the, the power of each of those small moments taking you closer and closer to, I don't know, wherever we're going. It's too long of a journey anyway. So just make use of the small moments. Uh, making use of the small moments and that merit yeah, because we're so hard on ourselves when something doesn't go right or um, the bottom seems to be falling out and, you know, we're trying to cling on <laughs> and not allowing things to change, you know, change is so hard for people because we're creatures of habit. So yeah, I, I like how you had mentioned that about, uh, just being there and pausing and then just seeing what happens next, you know, that curiosity. Yes, yeah, Steve. So can you give us some examples of when people have applied, um, you know, enhancing that presence, you know, connecting to that deeper part of themselves? Let me give you an example that was very moving to me. And the person that was affected by this may not even view it as a, as a spiritual episode. Um, so in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, many healthcare companies went to electronic medical records. And I was helping one healthcare company do that. So it's a big, big change effort, right? All the doctors, all the nurses, all the staffers, you know, legitimately, they have to learn how to work at a computer and input their records and not on paper records. But the people who were most affected were the physical file people. So, you know, 
offices all over town, medical offices, hospitals, somebody is in charge doing a very good job of moving physical records all around in vans, storing them, retrieving them. Their jobs were all going away. It was a unit of like 35 people. So you and I have different, <laughs> have had different changes at the office when, oh no, a new accounting system. No, these people's jobs were going away and they knew six months in advance and they were preparing for it. So I was working with the manager of that unit. How do you prepare your people for this change? He had a good relationship with his staff, but he, he was just a very gruff, grizzled, you know, burly, grizzled bear sort of, of a person. And quiet, you know, but respected by his staff and stuff. And we talked about the nature of change and can you give them a way to think about that you can empathize with these sort of rocking changes that they're going through. Um, so we were in a meeting and we're going through these different things. And uh, at one point he said, I know these changes are hard. I know there's like losses. That's what changes really is, is when you're losing something. And kind of out of the blue, and all of the people are tense and they're, they're going to get job training, you know, but they're nervous. And it was tension in the room. And he said, you know, this was sort of like when I went to Vietnam. He said, I went there as a young kid and I lost something. I lost my innocence. Now, the whole room just... Uh, softened. The light softened. Everybody sank in their chair a little bit. And he didn't say much more about it. But, you know, I, I knew he cared about his staff. His staff respected and cared about him. And he created an opening that we ran, we then went on to talk about loss. Other people could talk about loss. Other people could start to come better to the, to the change, I hope. So there's an example. And then we continued to work with that whole group about what that change would look like. He was very involved. The staff were very involved. Now, what would cause somebody to be able to be that vulnerable in front of his staff? I think that's a matter of somebody reaching into themselves, taking a look at something that was very difficult and being willing to be vulnerable. That sort of openness, you know, I would say is a benefit to being open to your interior life, being open to emotional connection uh, with your staff and with the greater organization. I don't know that he would have called it spiritual, but me in that moment watching it happened, um, it felt like a sacred moment. Oh, yes. I could, it, just as you described it, I, I could feel that. And yeah, the, him even reflecting on when was another time I felt this deep loss and sharing that with that vulnerability, and that's a key word right there, Steve, is being vulnerable and having other people witness you in that light. Because right. business leaders or, you know, anybody in in the workforce, you know, when you, when you have uncertainty and you just think you need to power through it or, you know, got to set up these goals, that's great. It's always good to have structure, right? It makes us feel safe, but also to be vulnerable and say, you know, I don't know exactly how this is going to go, but I believe in us. I believe in what we stand for. And so we're going to move forward the best we can or something to that effect to where people right. can see you and, 
and know that, hey, we're in it together, right? We're, when you we're ask, here to move forward with that. Yes. yes, Steve. When you ask what are the benefits, I mean, think, you know, are you a manager somewhere who's got to try to initiate a change like that? What do you really want? Do you want compliance? Do you want people to know, you know, where to go on Tuesday because they've got a different office? Do you want them to, you know, go through the checklist or do you want them committed to the change? Do you want them to be willing to go through loss and grief in order to get to a better place on the other side? Do you want them to have trust with you? Do you want them to be feeling like they're working with you through a struggle for a noble cause they all believe in? Well, the answer is obvious. You want that. And so how do you get that? I don't think you can get that, especially in today's workforce, from a place that isn't um, you connected to your inner self, however you want to describe that, and being willing to offer that. And it's an invitation then to others who want to bring their interior self. That's mm. the benefit. Most definitely. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think gets in the way? You know, people... They'll listen to this, they'll read articles or books or things of that nature. What do you think gets in the way of them actually um, going there or, or applying techniques to help them navigate this? <laughs> Everything. Um, <laughs> the same things in life, you know, fear, um, w worry. Uh, just when you've carved out your job so you know you can kind of get through your day, then what? I've got to get reorganized. Um, the same things, this is why it's such an arena for spiritual growth. The same things in, in any other sphere of life are there. The, the ego self, I think the way you described it, you said something a little bit ago about um, conditioned self or, you know, the, the protection. So the ego self is geared towards protection. And we go through life learning that first, how to get through the world. And we can't get through the world without a healthy ego or at least some functioning ego. And so we learn all these things about, okay, now I know how the world works. I have to be this way in order to get what I need through, through the world and through other people. All of those conditioned beliefs, visceral responses, nervous system responses have been <laughs> trained, drilled deep into us. And then, well, then where's room for the higher self? Where's room for the higher self geared towards connection, towards spaciousness? I think it's it's a constant, um, it's a never-ending game. We go from, you know, double-A ball to triple-A ball to major league ball to all-star of learning how to bring this frightened part of ourselves, these wounded parts of ourselves, we've buried them before, let's unearth them, bring them out and see that they can become aware, see that they can be loved. All of that is the never-ending game. I guess I could call it a game. So when you say, you know, like what keeps us from doing it, I, I think I think that really is the ongoing um, thing. All of those things about fears and those conditioning patterns, you know, maybe we'll never go away. Maybe someday when we're all angels in heaven, we won't have those. But uh, for the work we're here to do on this earth, uh, no, it's constant. Hope that's not depressing. No, it's it's not. And I think that actually lets us, our minds off the hook. If we remember that life is about change, mm -hmm. there's always going to be change and it's how we approach it. It's how we manage it. 
And if we manage it from protection, from, as you said, fear, lack, losing something, then we're going to grip onto it even tighter. And, and that's the resistance of losing something when actually it's a gift it's leaving so other things can come forward so that you can grow you can expand uh because that's what we're here to do we're we're expansive humans if not we would be born and we'd still be laying there swaddled and being fed and you know changed (laughs) we're meant to develop and evolve but when we get to this certain age as you said perfectly earlier steve of these questions or these thoughts that keep coming in um and you said about um uh, it was not grief it was uh loss yeah about loss it was another word it'll come to me although that's also about growth right we're here to continue to grow um, evolve with our emotional intelligence, with other people, with through this this spiritual practice, this better a better relationship to yourself. That's what it's all about. So yeah. that way, yeah, when these changes come, yeah, it'll be a change, but you'll be able to have it from a different perspective of instead of fear and lack uh-huh. of to, oh, this is change okay, what, what do I know about this? And, and how can I work through it? How can I work with it in these other parts of myself? Yeah. And, um, Oh, it was it's regret not... you had said before. It was the regret uh, that you had. Yeah. yeah. But the, the acts I've done for which I want to ask forgiveness, um, are all part of the path. They were all things that helped somebody else, put them in a situation to to grow through things. Yeah. You said something earlier about spirituality not being fluff. There is a way to use spirituality. <laughs> Ego self will use spirituality as a way to say, oh, here, you need to feel peaceful. So meditate to feel peaceful. You need to feel spacious. So do yoga so you feel the spaciousness. Now, all of that's fine, but we're not doing them in order to suppress the other symptoms. We're doing them to make ourselves ever greater, have ever greater capacity and resilience to take on the next batch of work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is not easy. Grief and loss are not easy. I don't want this to sound glib, like, okay, fine, I'll go into work and I'll treat somebody nice. You know, I've had... um, three relatives die in the last year. So there, there's real grief. There's not a, an easy way to skip over that. But the more I'm able to expand my consciousness to be fully aware of what I'm going through in that situation and continue to extend love, um, you know, and we do that even through difficult relationships, through difficult breakups. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to add that. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying we signed up for this maybe not not worrying if it was easy. Hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like also some acceptance there 
right? Mm -hmm. Except you don't have to agree a hundred percent with the other person or, you know, somebody that's challenging in your life, but you can accept them for who they are. And then that eases the pressure of, of our judgment of wanting to change them because we can't change other people, um, only ourselves. So I think that's also um, something to remember. And I, I really enjoy hearing you talk about that connecting to that higher self, that love, because that's all we want in this life. We we want to feel valued and we want to feel loved. And it's not that you are going to have an intimate relationship or anything of that nature with this love that I'm talking about. It's more about appreciation, gratitude, love for yourself first. And then that just that essence that presence within you, people can feel that. You're the ripple effect. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, what a wonderful conversation. I so enjoyed having you here, Steve. And for those who are interested in connecting with you to continue discussions or to read your blog, um, how can they connect with you? So the best place would be to come to www.practicalwisdom.blog. That's the site. Um, You can subscribe there for weekly posts that I put on a variety of spiritual development topics. About once a quarter, I have a group practice session, which I call Deepen. So there's information there on the next one. I think will be in July. Um, I've been retired, but I did a lot of coursework before. I'm starting to think about maybe putting together some coursework, so that may be coming down the line. But practicalwisdom.blog would be the best place to connect. And I'm sure once you start building that coursework or whatever developments, your expansion, right, will continue. People can find that information there, too. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, my friend, for being here and connecting and sharing your practical wisdom with us. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, April. Yeah, you're welcome. And for those of you who are new to this platform, whether you're watching on YouTube or my podcast channel, please hit subscribe and leave a comment. Let Steve and I know what you found inspiring in this conversation and also share what you are doing to bridge the gap between business and your own spirituality. Well, until next time, my friends, be well. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.